0: Oh, Alright guys, we gotta get this one right. On three, we're gonna say welcome back to our extraordinary thoughts flowing 1 mind. One, two, Will three. Welcome, welcome back, back for to our show minds. Mm-hmm. And we that's back. Right. That work right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we, uh, back. And we yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, and we yeah. we, back. And we and back. did our best. No, best. best. that's <laughs> What's going on, everybody? It's that ordinary podcast with the extraordinary thoughts that tells you to stop being great and be extraordinary. I'm your host, Demetrius Thigpen, also known as Meech Speaks, and welcome back to another episode of Extraordinary Thoughts for the Ordinary Mind. Oh, so <laughs> so next week is it? Um, yeah, next week is actually the podcast's birthday. And if you've been a real podcast listener, you know exactly what day it is, but next week is the podcast birthday. I'm super excited. Ah, uh, man, though, 2 years of podcasting, and it's really coming up. Like, damn, it really came up. But anyway, let's not like, like let's not worry about that right now. So, last week I had reached out and I had said like, "Oh, What's some things y'all want to hear on the episode? Like, what are some things that y'all want to hear me talk about? Like, what's some things that I could put on the podcast, et cetera, et cetera? And uh, plethora of topics, plethora of topics. So I look forward to doing each topic, but this one right here, this one kind of stood out a little bit different. And it stood out in a couple of reasons. One, it hit home. Two, you know, I kind of, I don't understand why I never did it sooner you know what I mean but shout out to Daniel Gray you feel me y'all probably have seen him USMC Daniel Gray and he asked talk about he asked me to talk about the transition from the hood to the military and you know if you ever listen to my book if you've ever just like listened to like just hell if you've just ever witnessed me you could tell that I came from somewhere prior to going into the military so with that being with that being said, let's go ahead and get into today's episode. So with this episode, I decided to not script it, I not, I, and when I say script, I don't want y'all to think that I like every episode is like scripted to an extent that like I'm reading off of like a panel or some shit like that. But I always like have bullet points to make sure like I know exactly what I'm talking about and I'm hitting certain topics. But this time around, like as I talk about, because this is actually very personal for me, it is, it, it is very personal, and I say it's personal because a lot of people, I you know, is is I, I try to make it obvious, you know, and I try to let people know this, but I'm from Detroit. You feel me? Like I'm from the murder capital. I'm from you know Motown. I'm from the D town, from D town. I'm from whatever the fuck y'all call it i'm from detroit and i'm actually from eight mile you feel me and i decided if i was going to talk about the transition from the hood to the military to just speak freely in this whole episode you feel me like i i really decided to just like speak freely and the reason why is because that transition if i didn't make that transition i was going to get kicked out of the military like for real like like if i did not make the transition I was already getting administratively separated. But before I talk about that, let's go ahead. Let's just give a little backstory to it. So for those who don't know, I'm from Detroit, born and raised on the east side, 8 Mile to be exact. And when we talk about 8 Mile, like this is one of like the biggest issues that I always like dealt with within the military. It's like, oh, you're from 8 Mile. Like, do you know Eminem? Eminem is from the other side of 8 Mile. Like, there's two different sides to 8 Mile. Like, there's the Detroit side, and then there's the Warren side. Eminem is from the other side of 8 Mile. Now, did he come across? Absolutely. But Eminem is from the other side of 8 Mile. And I'm going to just be 100% with you. Nobody in Detroit really listens to Eminem. Like, yes, like, does Eminem represent, you know, rep Detroit? Yeah, but... I've never drove down. I've never been in a car and somebody was like, yo, play that new Eminem. Like, that's never been a case. You feel me? Like, that's never been a case. And, you know, and I I feel like I I should give a little context to it. You know, I grew up in a single-parent household. Father was an addict. You know, he was an alcoholic. He did drugs. I was raised in a single-parent household. You know, and grew up, you know, I, I grew up in Detroit. I didn't grow up. Outside of Detroit, I'm not from a city or from Detroit. I grew up in Detroit. Like a lot of people that I grew up with, you know, they sold drugs. You know, a lot of people that I grew up with, you know, they dead. You feel me? Like they, a lot of people I grew up with in jail, (laughs) you know, so I always, I always thought that I was bigger than what I was in right now. And I say that I was I always thought that I was bigger than what I was in because I felt like, yeah, I'm born and raised in Detroit, born and raised. You feel me? Spent 18 years, turned 19 in boot camp. But I felt like my soul wasn't wasn't from there. I'm talking about like, you know, like you ever like just felt like this wasn't your home. You know what I mean? And this is an episode where I say like, oh, you know, like I'm not a Detroiter. No, no, no. I'm absolutely a Detroiter. Like I'm from Detroit. You feel me? But I kind of felt like growing up, I was always different. And as I sit back and I think, me and my cousin, you know, me and my cousin Devon, we dressed different than everybody else did. We, We were honestly probably the best dressed motherfuckers on the east side. Like, I'm not even about to lie to you. You feel me? But I always felt like something was different about me. And I I thank God that I was born in Detroit. But as I talk about like making that transition from the hood to the military, I tell you right now, and I really want this to echo throughout the episode, that if you if you're not able to make that transition, you're going to have a hard time within whatever branch of service, whatever avenue of life that you decide to go down. Like you're going to have a hard time. Because everybody around you is not from where you're at. And the transition is almost like a superpower. Like to be able to colloquialize with your people and then turn around and speak a certain way around other people, it, it's a superpower. You know what I mean? To be able to adapt in certain ways, it's a superpower. And I had to learn it. Like my first year in the military, like my first year in the military was wild, bro. It was wild. <laughs> it was wild. Because once again, like, I, I can't stress it enough. I'm from Detroit. You know what I mean? Like, I'm from Detroit. You know, I remember one time I was going down. I was I was going to, I was going to work. And as I was going to work, it was about like, I'll say five o'clock, four o'clock in the morning. And nobody was out there. So I got my headphones in, I'm walking, you know, whatever it is. I work at Myers, like a supermarket. The uniform is red and khaki or red and black. And as I'm walking, I remember, like, I felt like somebody was calling my name, and I just couldn't, like, you know, like, you ever have that feeling like somebody's talking to you, but you're trying to ignore them? But I got my headphones in, And for some reason, I turn around. You feel me? And I turn around, and I see this guy, and he's yelling. So I take my headphones out. I'm like, yo, like, what's going on, man? Like, I ain't I ain't hear you. This motherfucker like, hey, man, you a blood? I'm on my way to work. You feel me? Like I'm on my way to work. I got a fucking glow belt on. Like I got one of those glow vests on, safety vests. And I'm like, nah, bro. Like I'm on my way to work. Mind you, I did grow up in a predominantly blood neighborhood. Like, like, you know, like affiliation is a real big deal. Like gang affiliation is a huge deal. But I was trying to explain to him, like, nah, bro, like I'm a blood. This dude was a crip, like a super crip. And he rolling up on me, you know, so we arguing back and forth. And I remember taking a step back, like, hey, man, like, if you trying to do this shit, let's get into it. And I remember him up in the tool, like, like he pulled a pistol out on me. And when I tell you that when he pulled that pistol out, my whole demeanor changed, like my whole demeanor changed. And I was like, oh, shit. I'm about to die. Like, damn, like, I'm really about to die on my way to work. And that was just, like, one of the experiences that I, like, I got a chance to experience growing up. Like, growing up, like, you know, I will say, yeah, was I in a gang? (sighs) Yeah, I mean, like, if you want to call it a gang, yeah, like, yeah, I was in a gang. But it wasn't like a crip blood or anything like that. Like I feel like it was more cliquish than it was gangish. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like did we have ops? Absolutely. You know, I remember downtown Detroit, you know, we got into it with some motherfuckers at one point. I remember being in parties, fighting. You feel me? Fighting. And as I sit back and I recall all of those experiences. I'm thankful for them because a lot of that is the reason why I'm actually so successful in the military. I say I'm so successful in the military because of my experiences, because when I joined, I joined in 2009, you feel me? And you know, this is by far like the hardest transition I'm making my recruiter. He from New York. I don't know. Like, was he from Queens, Brooklyn? He from one of those boroughs, but my recruiter, and this is critical. Like your recruiter, like, has a big part to play in your military career. And it helps that, like, you know, he has, like, a similar background to you. So he kind of understood me. And I remember, like, you know, talking to my recruiter, X, Y, and Z. And, you know, he like, you better not crack in boot camp. I'm like, I'm not gonna crack. Like, you see where I'm coming from? And to give a little a little bit of background of Detroit at that time, you know, my city had filed for bankruptcy. You know, my my mayor... My mayor was going to jail, you know, we were dealing with a recession. I grew up poor, you know what I mean? Like, you know, my mother did the best that she could. But at the same time, like, you know, we grew up like hard times. So I'm like, I, I'm not going to crack like that. There's no way I'm going to crack anywhere. And I remember going through boot camp and I will say that it is because it's because I grew up in Detroit. You feel me? Like it's because I grew up around all of that. That I, I, I wasn't I wasn't folding. I wasn't folding in boot camp. You feel me? Like, if I'm going to get yelled at, I'm going to get yelled at, period. I get yelled at it at the house. Like, when the drillers would come up to me and get the chew in my ass. Like, it's another day at the park. You know? Now, me getting IT'd every fucking day, that was a little bit different. But at the same time, like, I'm not about to fold. You know, I remember seeing motherfuckers crying and shit like that. And I used to say, like, damn, like, bro, like, I, I can't relate. I can't relate. So that part right there, like as I was going through boot camp. Yeah. Was I making a transition into being a Marine? Absolutely. But to be honest with you, I was a Marine still with that Detroit mentality. I still had that hood mentality. You say something to me, I'm going to say something back. If you want to take it there, we can take it there. In fact, I actually got into a fight in boot camp for real. Like, dude, tried to try me. You know what I mean? Like, he tried to try me. I forgot what he said, but I said something back. And one thing that I don't think a lot of people know is that I'm always going to say something back. Win, lose, or draw. You can guarantee that I'm going to say my piece about how I feel about the situation. And I grew up like that. I'm not about to let nobody talk to me crazy. I got bullied in the ninth grade. I never let that shit happen again. Like, you're not about to just say whatever the hell you want to say to me and think that I'm going to let that shit ride. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I grew up like getting kicked out of clubs and fighting and stuff like that. Like I'm not about to let that shit ride. So when my rack mate said something to me, I I didn't just hold my, I didn't hold whatever the fuck I had in my heart. I said it. And I remember him doing, I forgot what he did, but I snatched that motherfucker out of his damn bed. He stood up. He thought that I was going, he thought some shit was sweet. I snatched his ass the fuck up. I got into a fight in boot camp. I got into a fight at MOS school. I got into a fight at MCT. I was fighting everywhere I go. And I'm, I'm going to say two things. One, when you from, and I, I feel like when you join the military, you, you're isolated, essentially. You're, you're isolated away from your home. You're isolated away from your culture. You're isolated away from your people. So naturally, you're going to gravitate to whoever is similar to where you grew up in. You're going to gravitate to something familiar. So when I joined, by the time I got to like MOS school, like I linked up with the people that were from the hood. You know, the ones that were from New York, the ones that were from Atlanta, the ones that were from, you know, they were from the ghetto, you know, because I felt more natural with them but at the same time and I feel like this is a double edged sword like although like you know we linked up and you know you know we got that unity at the same time we still young we still got that exact same type of mentality we still proving ourselves i remember still speaking the exact same way i did not let go of my detroit mentality until like a year and a half into the military honestly i'll take that back i never fully let it go and I remember, you know, MOS school linking up with like, you know, honestly, I'm going to be 100%. I linked up with only the black people. I I really couldn't relate to anybody outside of my race, outside of my culture. So I only linked up with the black people. And I was fighting in MOS school, you know, getting kicked out of clubs. But that was normal for me. By the time I got to the fleet, you know what I mean? Like By the time I got to the fleet, that's when everything started to hit me. Now, for those who don't understand, like, my MOS is a 1341 heavy heavy equipment mechanic. I fix tractors, trams, forklifts. That's not something that you hear a lot about in the hood. You know what I mean? Like, that's not a predominantly black job, if that makes sense. So... When I got to my shop, I was only like one of two black people there. There was another one, but is but you ever been somewhere and a guy he's black, but he's not he don't act black? You feel me? Like it's like as if he like gave up like his like black heart. And I don't say that in an ignorant sense. I say that in he has the same color skin as me, but he does not act like me. He does not speak like me. He did not grow up the same way I grew up. It was three of us, but only two of us actually like were black, black. And I remember them and obviously I linked up to them and I maintain my hood demeanor because I did not, I didn't feel comfortable around everybody. And this is the hardest part about the transition to be honest with you. And I say that you have to be able to make that transition from the hood into whatever job or whatever career path that you're going to, not because of, for survival, and not just survival, but to win. No, there it is, right there. Not to survive, but to thrive in your environment. Because a lot of people just make a transition just to survive the ordeal that they're going through. I made. I had to make a transition to thrive in the ordeal that I was going through. Because I link up with the dude. He's from California. You know, he's from San Diego. But he deployed, so that really left me and the other black guy who wasn't really black. And as I'm around all of these people, you know, they listen to country music, you know, they, everybody, oh, God, it was, it was, it was a fucking shit show, to be honest. And I think a lot of times, like, we, we have a hard time making that transition and we feel isolated because in reality, we are kind of isolated. You know, like, they don't listen to the same music we listen to. They don't understand the struggle that we went through. They don't understand the culture aspect of it. So all my friends weren't at my shop. They were at different shops. Like I have one friends over at Supply. I had another friends over at like, you know, UT. I had different, I hung out with different people outside of my shop. And when we would have like the shop functions, I I would just isolate myself. I would try to talk to people back at home, but... This is another reason why I talk about, like, you know, you got to be able to make that transition. Because if you don't make that transition, the only person that's going to be stuck is you. You're the only one that's actually going to be stuck. And when I say stuck, you're not going to be stuck in the same mentality, you're going to be stuck in the same time zone in which you left. See, yeah, I was still trying to maintain that Detroit mentality. I was still trying to maintain that hood mentality. But the reality was is that my family back at home, they were growing up. My family back at home was dealing with other life experiences. My family back at home was moving on with their lives. You feel me? And I was trying to maintain who I was in 2009. It's 2010. You know, And this is the thing is that a lot of times like we get outside of these, get outside our boxes and think like, oh, I don't want to forget who I am. No, it's not about forgetting who you are. It's adding to who you are so that way you can thrive in your environment. And it took me a minute to really understand that. And during that minute of me understanding that, when I tell you I was showing my ass, I was showing my ass. I was showing my ass. And not in the sense of like I was a shit bag. By no no means was I ever a shitbag, but once again, I grew up in the hood. I'm not about to be fucking punked out by nobody. I don't give a fuck. I don't care if you're a corporal. I don't care if you're a sergeant, and I don't care if I'm a PFC or lance corporal. You are not about to punk me the fuck out, and that's exactly how I took a lot of ass to it. It was Like, hey man, like I don't know who the fuck you think you yelling at. But I'll smack you dead in your fucking mouth and we can see where we going from there. One of my fondest memories was when I was a PFC, right? I was a PFC. And I remember I was sitting in the smoke pit. I don't even, I, at the time, I didn't even smoke cigarettes. I just happened to just be out there. And there was these two Lance corporals, two skinny dudes, two skinny dudes. You feel me? And they were, they were the senior Lances. And they were like, you know, thick pen. You know what we do with uh PFCs that don't know how to act right and got attitudes. You know we take them back to the tree line. I looked at them, I took my blouse and my cover off. I was like, well, let's get fucking to it. Let's get in fucking to it. Who the fuck y'all thought what y'all thought I ain't them? Like, and that's, that's the thing right there. It's like a lot of people from the hood, like they they quick to say that I ain't them. I ain't the mother motherfuckers. Like y'all not about to punk me out? <laughs> like, what did y'all think this shit was? we can get into it right here and i remember like when i said that they looked at me like oh shit like yeah oh shit now in my mind yeah i won the battle but i was actually losing the war i was losing the war i wasn't thriving i was just surviving you know what i mean i remember one time i'm i'm i had just got off duty i had just got off duty and i was asleep in my room and they come banging on my door now you hear it Banging on my fucking door. And I'm looking like, what the fuck going on, man? Corporals all outside my room. They yelling and shit. Like, why the fuck you ain't cleaning? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I already cleaned and I'm on duty recovery. I don't give a fuck, you know, talking to me crazy. And I'm going to just tell you right now, look. Look. To whoever this may fucking, whoever this may be, if you can't fight, don't talk like you can. You feel me like 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 if you can't fight, don't talk like you can. If you're not about that life, if you're not about that action, like don't 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 pretend like you can. You banging on my fucking door, yelling at me, talking to me like I'm some type of bitch is not going to sit well with me. I'm shooting fucking dice in the barracks. Like, 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 like that i like I'm, I'm, I'm shooting dice in the fucking barracks. Okay, like, like I am not your average fucking PFC. So he yelling and stuff like that, and he said, "You keep talking like that, thick pen. I'm gonna take my blouse off." I said, "Take your blouse off and get your ass whooped." He a corporal. I'm a lance corporal. The fact that I hadn't been kicked out sooner blows my mind. Like it blows my mind that I had not been NJPed or kicked out because of my antics when I was a dream ring. And I remember when I said that, everybody looked at me. Everybody looked at me and was like, oh, my God, did he just say that? And I was looking at them like, yeah, the fuck I did. And I I bring all of these up because I was not able to make that transition. Not alone. I was not. Mentoring and leading is so important. Because based off of how you are able to mentor a Marine, based off of how you are able to lead somebody is not just going to determine the success of the mission. It's going to determine the outcome of the person. And if I did not have good mentors, if I did not have good leaders, oh man, I would have been administratively separated. Because I'm not listening to shit. I'm picking, I'm not even picking fights. I'm standing my fucking ground. You feel me? And I remember one of my greatest mentors, and I'm going to reach out to him soon, is uh, Sergeant Conziella. And the funny thing about Sergeant Kanziella is Italian from fucking Wisconsin. It don't get no whiter than the cheese that they was fucking growing out there. But for some reason, Sergeant K. kind of spoke my language. He knew. Grew up single parent. You know, he He knew. Conziella kind of reminded me of Mark Wahlberg. Like, I, I never told him that, but he always gave me, like, the vibe of, like, Marky Mark and the Beastie Boys. Like, what is it, Beastie Boys? Or Marky, I don't know. But he always gave me the vibe of, like, Marky Mark. And I remember coming up to him, talking to him, and I felt like nobody understood me. But when I talked to him, he did. He understood my antics with women. He understood my antics with, like, the other Marines. And he started talking to me. And he started talking to me in the sense of, you're not going to survive here long. You're not going to make it long. Like, like if you continue to act like the way that you act, and I ain't, I ain't trying to tell you to change, but I'm just telling you what I see. Sergeant Lance Corporal. Also add the fact that Kay was not in my MOS. K was actually, he worked in the other shop. He just so happened to be, we, we were in the same platoon. And Kay would look over at me and he'd be like, y'all, Yo, like, you need to chill out. You need to just like you need to learn how to take orders, and a lot of times, like when you growing up, like we grow up with this with this strong demeanor. Like I'm not about to just let somebody talk to me however they want to talk to me. I'm not about to just take this type of bullshit. But if you don't understand the culture and the structure of the environment that you're in, organization organization that you're in, you're going to fuck it up. And this is the thing is that, like, you know, you always hear the saying, like, you know, you got to play the game, play the game until you know how to win it. I wasn't playing the game. I was doing everything but playing the game. And Kay taught me how to play the game. Another good mentor that I had was at the time he was Corporal Durant. He Gunner star Durant now. Me and Duran get into it a lot. But Duran and me as a leader and subordinate, I looked up to him. I looked up to him. And because of Kay and Duran, one, they gave me an example of what leadership looked like. You feel me? And the reason, and this is the thing, is like if you got a Marine that's fucking, that's coming from like the hood, you can't be a soft ass leader. He ain't from a soft ass place. You know what I mean? And a lot of you motherfuckers, and I, and I say that, I say that because a lot of you motherfuckers listening, don't understand how to connect to the ones that come from different environments because of the fact that you soft. You feel me? Like you fake? You feel me? And the, and and they pick up on that. Your junior marines pick up on that. Your your subordinates pick up on it. They know that you you not about the action that you're talking about. You walking in there telling them, "Hey, you better fucking do this." Like first to fuck off. Who the fuck you think you're talking to? And you pausing. You feel me? Like you pausing. You trying to get up in everybody's face, but but you think they about to cower down. They looking at you like, well, let's get in fucking to it. Let's get in fucking to it. So so I really want to go on record and just say that right now. A lot of y'all can't make the transition and help the Marines that come from the hood because y'all have never been in an adverse situation like that. You never been in that environment. You never had to grow up in that environment. You don't even know the nonverbal cues. Yet you over here trying to fake the funk and think that your rank. You know what I mean? You think your rank is going to save you? That's not the case, and that did not work with me, and it does not work with a lot of people. But K and Duran were about that shit. They were about that shit. Ain't no, there was nobody punking K or Duran out. In fact, I actually seen Duran walk up on a motherfucker one time and said like, hey man, like if you're trying to do this shit, we can do it right here. I don't care who the fuck here. And I bring that up and I talk about them in this extent because it was their actions as people, not as they interacted with others, as people that actually helped me make the transition. Kay and Duran were not from the hood, period. They were not. But they had that same... How do you say? They had that same, like, demeanor almost. You know what I mean? They had, like, this assurance about themselves. They were tough about themselves. They let me know that I could be tough, but at the same time, I could still execute on the mission. Duran was the reason why I even became a martial arts instructor. You feel me? Like, it was because of people like that. So, as I started to make that transition, that's when I started to be able to evolve. And I bring that part up because Kay let me know. Like he was like, yo, like we're we're thinking about administratively separating you. I actually had to talk to him about this. And for those who grew up in the hood, like you know better than me. Like we come from probably like environments where our parents used to get in our asses. Like, get in our asses. And Kay spoke that language for me. Kay would come up to me sometimes and he'd be like, hey, and he would snatch me up. Kay used to snatch me the fuck up. And some of y'all are too soft for that type of fucking leadership. And I don't know who needs to hear this, but some of y'all got some fucking leaders that could actually lead y'all, but y'all are too fucking soft to fucking take it. You know what I mean? And Kay used to snatch me the fuck up. Like, I be fucking, I forget where I was at. And I remember one time Kay came out of nowhere, grabbed me by the fucking collar and pulled me off to the side. And he's like, why the fuck am I hearing that you doing this shit? Now, tell me that don't sound familiar. That don't sound like your parents. Why the fuck is your teacher calling me, telling me that you did this? And that's how Kay used to talk. Kay, Kay talked to me. Duran felt like a brother, but Kay felt like a father. And he'd be like, why the fuck am I hearing that you're doing this? And I'd be like, oh, he's like, it does not matter. What was the plan? What was the mission? The problem is, is that you good, but you don't fucking realize that you could be great. If you could just learn to shut the fuck up sometimes, you could go a lot further. That's how Kay used to talk to me. And I would take Kay's words in. And I really want to take a moment and just say, like, if you want to thrive in an environment, you got to be able to listen to your environment. Don't hear your environment. You got to be able to listen to it because your environment going to tell you exactly how to play those rules. Give me a second. Another reason, another reason why the transition was so hard for me was because I kind of, I miss my family. I miss my friends, you know? And I felt like the further I got away from them, the more I felt like I had to act like I was still from Detroit. My first duty station was California. And you remember how I mentioned earlier that I, I felt like my soul, like my soul just didn't belong there. When I got to Cali, it felt like I was at peace. Like a lot of times, like we, our minds and our souls, like they conflict with each other. Like, you know, you, your soul is at peace, but your mind don't understand it. So you would rather have a a peace of mind than a peace where your soul led than a calm soul almost. And it felt like as I was adapting, adopting the California culture, I was giving up who I was. I was giving up, I, I was starting to become fake. And a lot of people don't make that transition because, you know, you don't want to feel fake. You don't want your family to start thinking, like, oh, well, you acting this, oh, you do this. And slowly but surely I stopped speaking like I was from Detroit. I stopped acting like I was. Deep down in my soul, I'm still, I'm still the same person, but I'm I'm in different environments now. Like I'm in different cultures. And I want to say this. Never forget where you came from. Never forget where you came from, but also accept where you're going. Adapt to where you're going. Because I grew up in Detroit and because I grew up with the life that I grew up in, I, I, it has a lot to do with who I am now as a leader. First things first, ain't no dream marine ever gonna punk me first let me rephrase ain't no dream ain't no Marine ever gonna punk me the fuck out. I grew up fighting. I grew up having to stand up for myself. So you so the idea of you ever saying some shit or doing some shit to me and thinking I'ma let it slide, not the case. But because I was able to make the transition, and when I say make the transition, because I was able to thrive in my environment, not survive in my environment, I'm able to reach other Marines. A lot of times, like, we want to hold on to who we used to be or we want to hold on to our environment so much that we close the door on so many opportunities because we don't know the language. We don't know it. We listen to a different tune and this is the wrong music. So because I will, you have to, be, and I, and I, not because I, you have to be able to make that transition because you're gonna come across Marines, you're gonna come across subordinates that are from different walks of life than you. The same way that Kay was able to cross that that cross that bridge to reach me, I had to be able to be able to cross that bridge to reach other Marines that come from different cultures, that come from different lifestyles, that come from different backgrounds. I had to be able to do that. And a lot of times, like, you see leaders that they cannot make that transition. They cannot transition from who they used to be to who they are now. They cannot transition from their background to where they're at right now. Does that mean that I'm any less hood than who I used to be? I'll say that 19-year-old me compared to 30-year-old me is more experienced. He's more mature. But I'm secure in my identity the little girlfriends I used to date back in Detroit, like, I don't know where the fuck they are at. I learned to experience different cultures, and I also learned to love different cultures. And because I was able to blend those cultures into my lifestyle and into who I am, I also gave a different view on life. But I think more importantly... The hardest part about making the transition from the hood to the military to a more professional environment is not giving up. A lot of times we can't make that transition because we feel like we're losing ourselves. You're acting this, you're doing this, you dress like this. You know how many times I come back home and people in Detroit look at me like, oh, we don't wear that around here. Well, bitch, I ain't from around here no more. I'm a tourist, I'm a tourist. You're going to rediscover yourself. And I have to say that. I have to say this. You need to be comfortable with rediscovering yourself. Who you are when you first join compared to who you're going to be at the end of your enlistment are two different fucking people. Hell, the person who you are January 1st and the person who you are January 31st are two different fucking people. But you have to be okay. Let me rephrase that. You have to give yourself permission to rediscover who you are. I joined when I was 19. I spent the next four years just redefining who I was, learning who I was. The same way that you, somebody might go off to college and learn who they are, rediscover themselves or X, Y, and Z. That's how it is. is. And you have to give yourself permission to do that. And you also got to be okay with, like, standing by that. Like, when you go home on leave and stuff like that, yeah, you going home. You're visiting family and stuff like that. Yeah, it's not giving up your identity. You're not giving up who you are. But you also got to just stand by. Like, because a lot of times, like, we go home, and as soon as somebody say you acting different, you revert back to who you used to be. But the person who you used to be does not know how to play the game that you're currently in. They don't know how to thrive in the environment that you're currently in. They only know how to survive. So, you got to give yourself permission to rediscover who you are. Making the transition from the hood to who I am right now, man, I love it. I fucking love it. I'm a fucking vibe. And just like that, another extraordinary thought left this ordinary mind. I hope you enjoyed this episode half as much as I enjoyed making it. Stay tuned Mondays and Fridays. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Meech Speaks. Once again, that's Meech Speaks. Meech is spelled M-E-E-C-H. Don't forget to share this podcast. Subscribe to this podcast. Follow this podcast. Pass this podcast to somebody because this podcast was dedicated to helping everyone become a better version of themselves. Even though I don't know what that type of version is, I just know that you can be better. Lastly. Don't forget to grab your copy of The Extraordinary Thought from the Ordinary Mind, available on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles. I think there's an electrical copy. You know what it is. Stay hungry. Stay motivated. I'm out.